another episode of the Karen Janine Podcast. CEO leaders, thank you, thank you, thank you for rocking out with me every single week right here at the kitchen table where we have amazing conversations about business, about life, about just anything that really kind of gets in our way of us living our legacy and living the life that we dream about and sometimes just write about in our journal. So thank you for joining me for another episode. I want to, as usual, as we've been doing for the past few episodes, I wanna read the Legacy Life Model. And it is my hope that with every reading, that there is something that resonates with you, that there is something that you can pick up and glean from and take it and run with it or take it and fly with it because we talk about egos in that legacy life model. So here is, this is the legacy life model. Don't be afraid to jump into the updraft to soar high. Replenish and use your energy wisely. Like an eagle, you soar majestically. Breathe in peace. Start each day with intention and a grateful heart. Be good and do good in the world. Dream big dreams. Keep your expectations high and your standards higher. Become all that you imagine. Take a risk and fall in love with being imperfectly you. We start at yes. Be free and live your wildest adventure. Go, take time to live the life that you desire. Face your deepest fears. Be unapologetic about being yourself. This is your legacy life. Never settle for anything less. So again, this is our legacy life model. And when I wrote this, I had you in mind. I had these conversations that I knew that I was going to be bringing to the kitchen table. And I wanted something for us to kind of embody and something for us to really hold on to as we navigate this journey called life. So I want you to check out the show notes for the link to a free gift. And I know we all like free gifts. So check out the notes for the free gifts. These conversations Think about it. They lead you to the door, right? They lead you to the door of this legacy life model. So the conversations is just kind of a starting point. They lead you to where you want to go. The change and the transformation, they open up the door. The implementation takes you through the door. So again, these conversations, they're just kind of a starting point. So if you check out the show notes, you'll see a link that says that has some words, financial wealth starts here because we all desire financial wealth, whatever that may mean for you. We all desire to live a life that we've been dreaming of. And that's going to be a good starting point for you. So don't forget to check out the show notes for that free gift. Today, and I know I say this all the time, I know, you're probably tired of hearing me say this, we have another amazing guest, because they are all amazing, we have another amazing leader, not guest, we have another amazing leader here today to share with us a topic that is kind of off topic, is something that I don't hear talked about often, but it's something that I know 
is in a lot of us or it happens to somebody that we know. So our CEO leader today is Michelle Steiner, and we're going to be talking about learning disabilities and the effects that it's had on her life. And then maybe for some of you that are listening, hidden Michelle describes them as hidden disabilities and those things that might be in your way of living that legacy life. So I will go ahead and let Michelle introduce herself and just tell her, um, tell us about her being a CEO leader. And for us in this space, CEO isn't just a CEO of a business. We're also CEOs of our lives because we drive the strategy. We we are the leaders of where we want to go. So Michelle, go ahead, jump in and get us started. Oh, thank you, Karen. Well, my name is Michelle Steiner and I have a learning disability and I spend, uh, um, I'm a teacher's aide in, in a school where I help other students that have disabilities. And another thing that I also love to do to uh, help support people with disabilities is I'm a disability uh, writer and uh, an advocate for, for folks that have, uh, people have disabilities. Uh, I have my own blog called Michelle's Mission. And in that blog, I uh, write about uh, having a disability. Uh, and I also um, have some photography that I love to do as well that <laughs> uh, I, I, I have. So that, that's another thing that I, I do. That's awesome. So tell me, how did you get into teaching? Because sometimes I think it might, and I don't know if it's a if it's a stigma mm -hmm. or a myth, like you're teaching children and you're teaching somebody else, but you have a learning disability. Yes. Like, and that, tell me and, how. And that, right. And that <laughs> is something I always wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to work with kids and I wanted to go to college. And I knew with having a, a learning disability that it was going to be a real, it was a challenge. It was uh, scary to think about going on to school too. And I even had people who thought, oh, you can't do that. Why don't you go? I think it was you, my learning support teacher who said, why don't we put you into a, a vocational training program? And those programs are wonderful. I think they provide a great opportunity for people uh, that don't want to go to college or uh, just don't have uh, just don't have the interest for, for putting in uh, the, those years at school. But nothing there interested me. We didn't have an early childhood program offered at our local one. There, there was other great programs, but I, I just knew that wasn't the right choice for me. But but I was still afraid. I <laughs> still um didn't think I could do it, but I remember I got connected with some really great people. I had a student teacher that told me, you can go to college. And I was, I was thinking to myself, well, what do you mean? I, I have this learning disability. I, I, I can't do, I mean, it, it's always been based in math. Everything else has been stuff we could work around with reading and uh, things like that. But math has always been the crux. And she said, there are students that, that are taking remedial classes and they're, they're doing great. And I, I can still remember her saying that I, uh, when I, when I got there and I remember uh, I got connected with office for vocational re rehab and uh, it's a federal program. Every um, 
place in the United, every city in the United States will have that. It's money set aside for people with disabilities to be able to go on to school, uh, have job placement services. And uh, before I could receive uh, money from them, I had to be tested for a learning disability again. And I can remember uh, this, I'm not a great test taker. That's another part of the disability. And my scores were pretty low. And I can remember the psychiatrist putting on my report that most likely I wouldn't go beyond a community college. So that was really heartbreaking, really discouraging for me as I went to school. And there was that stigma at college that people with learning disabilities uh, or, or any kind of disability that receive services was getting an unfair advantage. So I didn't receive those services. And my grades really suffered because I wasn't uh, I wasn't doing that. And I finally had a professor that said, why don't we at least get you extended test time? And I went through her class. I didn't do well in it, <laughs> but I passed and I was able to get uh, my associate's degree uh, in early childhood education. I moved down on my own. I worked with kids in uh, daycares and I subbed as a paraprofessional in schools. And I just, I loved it, but I always wanted more for myself. And financially I had to move back in with my parents and the job I was at was really close by and they uh, ended up downsizing. And during this time period, I also applied to university and got accepted. And I thought, I just have to go back and I just have to try. And I didn't get the transfer for the job that would have been close to the college. Uh, so that I think I was unemployed and at that time, and I was able to go back, find a program, didn't have, had the least amount of math possible <laughs> and had the accommodations. And I was able to do so much better because school was my job. Number one, I wasn't working along trying to, to do that. And I did the accommodations. I did the, I advocated for myself and I was able to get my bachelor's degree. And despite people telling me that I couldn't do that. <laughs> I love that story, Michelle. I love it. Congratulations for, thank you for trying and for, you know, going through and what we like to say is kind of like push through, but right. I'm going to a few things that I'm going to pull out some gems that you dropped that I want, I don't want my listeners to miss. One, mm -hmm. each step of the way, you had an advocate, even though sometimes mm -hmm. you weren't advocating for yourself. There was somebody that said, even though there was somebody who said, uh-uh, Michelle, you can't. There was an advocate that stepped up and said, yes, Michelle, you can. It and you decided, you mm -hmm. made a choice to go after the yes, Michelle, you can, instead of focusing on the no, Michelle, you can't. Yes, definitely. Uh, um, an important thing, my first advocate was my parents. They were the ones that went to every single um, individual education plan meeting. <laughs> uh, they were the ones that encouraged me. They were the ones also before I could even go and advocate for myself would say, we're having uh, your meeting coming up. Is there anything you want us to talk about at your meeting? And they 
they also explained my disability to me as, as a very at a very young age, really simple age appropriate terms. You have a learning disability, you learn differently. And that was very, that was very helpful to hear that. I had um, teachers, uh, a few that were good, uh, I mean, that really were my advocates and could see the potential. And just having that, that, that was amazing. They, they could see what I could do. Uh, and I also had a lot of professors at, at college that, that, that did see the good things that I, I was capable of doing and could encourage me, hey, why don't you go and just get this, the, the services you need and you're, you're going to be okay. And I think that was uh, helpful too. All of uh, that made that difference. And I also had people uh, that, that were with OVR that did try and, and they could see the, the potential and, and those people did make the difference. They advocated for me. Mm-hmm. I love that. And at part of your story, you mentioned a couple stigmas, mm-hmm. right? And I want to, again, bring those things out so that listeners can maybe find themselves in the story and Mm -hmm. relate to what it is that they may be going through now or may have gone through in the past in hopes of leading them and getting them to where it is that they want to go. So a couple of the stigmas that I heard, one was that um, people with learning disabilities, like you can't go further than vocation. Like they want to stick you in a box, right? Yep. And so mm-hmm. there are times when even if it, you don't necessarily, you don't learn differently or you don't have a learning mm-hmm. disability, you just, you maybe learn different or you think different or there's something unique about each of us that's not the same as everybody else. But oftentimes we get put in a box and say, well, because it doesn't look like this, then you can't do that. So you got to stay within the confines of this box. And my encouragement and what I hear from you is you don't have to stay in the box knowing that you learn differently. And it's so amazing that your parents advocated for you when you were young and explained, you know, that you had, that you learned differently. But for those of you who may have not had those advocates, just knowing that there's something different and unique about you, don't allow people to put you in a box to say, unless you can do this, this is as far as you can go, because they were basically ending your, put putting the, an end point to your journey. You can only go to vocational, and that's the stopping point. Exactly, because I felt like people were trying to box in what what I could do, either based on a test score, or they were basing it on um, how I perf- uh, performed in a class. They were boxing me in, and it's really not, um, th- th- there are things people can do. It's creative problem solving. I knew going into being a certified teacher was not going to be a wise choice for me because of the test taking skills and the rigor of uh, just having the, the, the academics. I knew that wasn't going to be in for me, but I could still find a way to do what I wanted to do. And it, it, it that was similar and very close to what, what being a teacher is. So um, 
I'm not a certified teacher, but I get to work in a school and I get to help kids uh, be able to learn and to be able to encourage them. And I think too, it, when I hear some of this age, I'm working with the seventh graders, so they are still a little bit young, but I, tr I do try to encourage them uh, not to box themselves in and to what is what is it they want to do with their life and what are some alternatives that uh, some pathways to get to what they want at that at that young age with having a disability um, and, and just important things like how to advocate for yourself and how to uh, be able to, to get to where they want to go someday. And that's an incredibly imp important learning skill, learning to advocate and learning to communicate what your needs are and to communicate what you know that you have the ability to be able to do. And so exactly. that's incredibly valuable. And having someone like you who can help them to do that and say, hey, I've been there or I know what that, you know, I, I, I know what that feels like and you can do it too. That's an incredibly, you know, valuable uh, skill to have that you really can't, and a lot of the work or a lot of the streamlined stuff like traditional college and things like that, you don't get taught that. Like they're not teaching you how to advocate. They're teaching you how to do the skill of, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Like for me, I mm -hmm. have a degree in accounting. So I was, okay. taught, you know, how to do accounting. I was, you know, good at math, but not how to advocate for yourself or how to communicate, you know, your needs. So that's incredibly valuable. Um, again, an incredibly valuable skill for those who may have a hidden disability or who learn, you know, differently. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Because the, um, their disability is not going to go away and they need to know how, how to handle things and how to speak up for themselves. And that starts at a really young age, being able to do that. And, and I'll have kids that'll come in and they'll say, well, I'm really struggling in this class. I'm like, all right, well, let's go talk to your teacher because I know that he'll come in and help. Uh, we have some wonderful, I have some wonderful teachers that we, regular ed teachers that we work with as well. Um, just our whole staff is great at our building. But I, these kids are scared to ask for help. They said, but I'm afraid. And I said, well, come on, he's a nice person. Let's go up and let's ask. And sure enough, uh, the, the person will come over and they'll help them out and they'll be able to do that. I'll say, no, come on, what do you, what do you need? And they'll, they'll <laughs> tell them. And I don't have a kid that comes in after that, that they're, that, that they're scared. They're coming in and they're, they're being really confident about, okay, I need help with this and I'm, it's okay to ask for help and to, to do that. And, and I think that's, but I, the conversation I needed whenever I was a lot younger. I think I I had great parents that, that explained to me the disability, but I think I needed uh, from other people too to have that conversation that it's okay to go up to and ask for help. And this is how we do it. And uh, there are people that, that are willing to give those uh, supports to you and it's okay to use them. I love that you brought that out. I love that you brought that out because so many of us, we have support from our family, right? Mm -hmm. And our friends and maybe our parents. And it's not that that support doesn't matter, but community support mm -hmm. kind of means everything, right? Yeah. It's like, it's that balancing of, 
validating in a sense, like, yes, I know I can do it. Um, and so mm -hmm. for those of you that are, you know, that are listening and, you know, you may see yourself in the story or you may know, you know, somebody don't stop motivating, don't stop mm -hmm. encouraging, don't stop telling people they can do it. The small things, those small little seeds of planting and bringing out their greatness means a lot. Michelle has already just told you that it meant a lot for her. Her parents were absolutely amazing, but having that, you know, support from, you know, somebody at school or somebody outside of her household saying, yes, Michelle, you can do this. Don't be afraid. So don't stop supporting. Don't stop encouraging. Don't stop just giving someone a positive word because it will go a long way. The other thing I wanted to kind of circle back to mm -hmm. is to point out resources, right? You mentioned that there were a number of resources that were available to you at different, you know, at different levels when you were in, um, you know, middle school or you were in high school and then on to college, there's different resources that you could, uh, that you could take advantage of. And the point mm -hmm. that I want to bring out there is that there's resources all around us. There we have, there's no shortage of resources, especially in this information age. And this is a great time for me to mention our Vision to Victory tour that we are doing in 2023. And with the Vision and Victory tour, it's a lot of why I do what I do, because a lot of people, they have a vision. And they know that they can do it. And they have their family and maybe their closest friends saying, I know you can do it. But they need a little bit of handholding. They need that outside resource and that outside community to cheer them on, but to also help them to get to the finish line. And that's what Vision to Victory is all about. So again, check the show notes for, you know, for that. But imagine your vision coming to life regardless of those things that have has gotten in your way. Sometimes it's just that trusted advisor that you need. Sometimes it's just that additional resource. And sometimes it's a community of other people. I don't like to say like-minded people because I know that we all, we think differently and we are different. And so I like being around a community of people, diverse people. Some of us may think alike. Some of us may you know have different backgrounds. But being in a community of diverse people can help you to get from your vision to victory. So again, that'll be in the show notes. So Michelle, I want you to talk about like why the blog, like why the blog, the in-person work, it makes sense. But mm -hmm. what are your goals and what did you hope to achieve when you started the blog? And then tell us how you worked through that with the with you learning differently and then getting to the you know to the writing well the blog was to educate um encourage and empower people that have learning disabilities and to and to bring that awareness because a lot of people aren't familiar with them or they think they know what they are 
but they just don't um, have a, a great idea. And I'm one person in this. This is my <laughs> my voice. Uh, other, other people have learning disabilities, might um, have different experiences, might feel differently, and, and that's okay too. Everybody has their own um, way of dealing with that or their own experience. Uh, but I just want to give people my voice on what, uh, you know, that I struggle with and, and things that I uh, experience. And that has been really healing for me. I Writing has always been my passion. Uh, numbers have never <laughs> worked well with me, but I've always uh, loved to write. And I can remember my writer's group, I, uh, I, I had a friend that told me, well, you have a really good story with having a learning disability. You should write about this. And I thought, oh, I really don't want to write about this. I don't want to talk about having uh, my difficulties with uh, learning. And I think I wrote some bad poetry at that time <laughs> and some other things. But when I first wrote about having uh, limited hand dexterity, because that's another issue that I have. My hands don't uh, work as well. And I can remember... Uh, when I wrote that article and I got it published and the the excitement that I felt with, of course, getting something published, it was wonderful, but it was more that connection too, that I, I had other people that said, well, that's my story as well. I, I, I know what that's like. And it was that healing that, that I felt because I was putting it out there, what I was really uh, struggling with and finding other people and, uh, when I get to write things and I get to be able to connect with other people, that is probably the one of the greatest joys uh, that I feel. And the blog also gives me a chance to put up some photography that I do. I'm not able to drive too because of my learning disability, my visual perception, but I'm able to pick up other details that other people might miss. Uh, first of all, from being in the passenger seat, I'm not um, worried about the road. <laughs> I get to see those neat things. Uh, my husband will be taking me somewhere and I'll be like, honey, did you see this? And he'll be like, what? <laughs> and I can go back to that place uh, and, and be able to capture that in, in a photograph or a flower uh, a lot easier. Uh, and sometimes it even when I get a chance, if I can't get a ride somewhere, I'll get, I'll walk and I'll get it. I'll get to take that picture. And people say, wow, you bring out details that I might've missed, or I didn't know that, or where is that place at? And that that's a way to connect with people too. And it's just to provide that uh, information and uh, about having a disability and, and to provide that connection with other people. I love how you have taken every part of how you are unique and how you are different. And you've turned it into something that society would have put on the shelf and just put you in this box and said, Michelle, you can only go to vocational school and that's it. Your how you learn differently. You took it and you are now advocating and showing other students how to advocate and use their gift of learning differently in the school to be, you know, a, uh, you know, a good student. You took your hand dexterity, your how you um, aren't able to write like everybody else, but you mm -hmm. write and you publish and you share with the world in a way that moves you past that disability. 
And then your vision. Wow. I'm just blown away. Like you've taken that. And through your eyes, you show us a different part of the world, but you also show us who Michelle is. And so again, it's just driving home the fact that our unique gifts and talents. And what I say all the time is that we are all destined for greatness. There is something mm -hmm. great inside of each one of us and it can't be put in a box. Like, because you learn differently or because something doesn't fit the way that even the masses fit, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. So I love, love, love how you have navigated and shared your gifts um, with the world. And I can't wait to check out some of the photography. Where can we find some of that photography that you're that you're speaking about? Is that on the blog? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. It is. It's at Michelle's Mission uh, blog. I love it. I love it. So as we wrap up from this amazing conversation of talking about uh, Michelle sharing her story of um, navigating life through her lens and through um, her learning disability. I want to encourage each of us uh, and the listeners to figure out what your hidden, you know, talent is and not mm -hmm. necessarily a hidden disability. It's a hidden talent, right? It's a talent that maybe the world has tried to suppress or maybe those around you that have, you know, have tried to suppress, but it's yours. It's your unique gift and figure out what that is. And if that is a part of what's been holding you back from living your legacy life and from living the life that you dream of. So I want Michelle to give us some final words. Um, give the listeners some final words of encouragement, just, you know, advice, wisdom. I, my advice would be find out what you want to do and go forward and do that. And uh, you might have to do it a different way, um, but just to go and to, and to find what you want to do and to tap into those hidden talents that you might have or something that you might be afraid and, uh, to do and just give it a try because you never know um, what you might be able to do with that. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle, for having this much needed conversation, conversation that I didn't even know that we needed to have, um, but one that you stepped up and said, when I was looking for conversations to have, you say, yes, I'll have that conversation. So mm -hmm. thank you for bringing the conversation to the kitchen table. Thank you again, CEO leaders, for joining me for another week at the kitchen table on the Karen Janine podcast. I am your host, Karen Janine, and I will see you here again next week, the same time, a different topic that's going to help you to live your legacy life. So bye for now.